You have your Bibles with you? Let's open them first of all to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. And I'm sure this is a very familiar story to many of you. Let's begin in verse 27. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus saith unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this. They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. Now notice the phrase, according to your faith, be it unto you. Everything that God has for us is received by faith. I'll say it again. Everything that God has for us is received by faith. There's no other way to obtain it. Amen. That's the reason why the Bible says the just shall live by faith. Amen. How many of you want everything that God has for you? Look at your neighbor and say, I want everything that God has for me. Amen. Now, let's take a look at uh, a couple of verses here talking about everything God has for us. You're all familiar with John 10.10. And uh, in the latter part of that verse, Jesus said, But I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The Passion Translation says, I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. So we just got through singing about living in the overflow. That's exactly what Jesus came for, is not only to redeem you from the hand of the enemy and from the bondage of the enemy, And not only give you the privilege of having eternal life and spending eternity with him. But he also came that you and I might enter into this life and live in the overflow. Look at your neighbor and say, I intend to live in the overflow. Now in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8, and I'm just going to read this from the Passion Translation. He will make you overflow with abundance in everything you do. He will make you or cause you to overflow in abundance in everything that you do. The message translation says, God can pour on the blessings in astounding or astonishing ways. God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways. But once again, the way you experience it is through faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Amen. The just shall live by faith. Look at your neighbor and say, are you one of the just? And then tell them, then you're required to live by faith. It's really not an option. It's not if I choose to or I choose not. It is a command. 
the just shall live by faith. Can you say amen? Now, I want you to go with me to Hebrews chapter 10. And this is just one of the places where that statement is found. Hebrews chapter 10. And let's look at verse 35. Cast not away therefore your confidence or your faith, which hath great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. And that tells me that it is possible for people who have learned to live by faith can draw back. And I've seen that time and time again over my 52 years in the ministry. I've seen it all over the world where people who have been taught the basic principles of the life of faith and eventually let go of them, or they draw back from it. And one of the reasons, or one of the primary reasons, I believe, is because they allow themselves to fall into the temptation of listening to things that sound good, but are not quite accurate. I don't know why people are always looking for a new message. I've been living this way for 52 years. I'm not looking for a new message. You know what? This one still worketh. Faith got me where I'm at, and faith is going to take me where I'm going. Hallelujah. Amen. I really don't understand why anybody would ever let go of this. Because my whole life has been based on faith in God and faith in his word. And I'm not about to change. Now, another translation says, the just shall have their lives sustained by their faith. Sustained by their faith. You could say it this way. The just shall live a life of faith. That is, a life of with total dependence upon God and His Word. That just described my life. I have total dependence on God and His Word. I wouldn't have made it this far if I did not have total dependence on God and His Word. You know, uh, a lot of people don't fully understand a ministry like is what I have. And I have had for all these years. I appreciate people that hook up with you. We call them partners. I appreciate partners in the ministry. And and I have many partners from all over the world. Uh, It thrills me every time I go somewhere and somebody says, Brother Jerry, I've been your partner for 30 years now. Or I've been your partner for 40 years. Brother Jerry, I've been your partner ever since you left Kenneth Copeland Ministries and launched out in your own ministry. That is the greatest compliment anybody could ever give me. However, on the other hand, I've had a lot of partners, and I wonder where they are. Mm 
What happened to them? What changed their mind? I'm still the same person. I'm still preaching the same message. I have not changed my message at all. I just know more about it. I have more testimonies. I have more experience with it. But the message, if you go back and listen to what I was preaching in 1970, it's the same thing I'm preaching today. I just know more about it. And I have more experience with it and greater testimonies from it. But it's still the same message. Amen. Why would anybody leave me? (laughs) Why would anybody want to follow something else that won't get results in a crisis? Amen. This gets results. Amen. I live by faith in the good times and I live by faith in the bad times. In fact, you better live by faith in the bad times. Amen. Amen. So notice here, the just shall live by faith. The just shall have their lives sustained by faith, by their faith. Now, I was meditating on this last night, just thinking about it and preparing to share with you this morning. And I heard the Holy Spirit say it to me this way. The just shall pursue life with an active faith. The just shall pursue life with an active faith. What do I mean by that? A faith that never rests. A faith that never stops. A faith that never ceases. And that's what I mean by rest. A faith that that doesn't take spiritual vacations. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, I realize because I've been there and I've experienced it. I realize that many times when you're Endeavoring to live by faith. And you're in a faith endeavor, such as you're believing for healing in your body, or you're believing for finances, or you're believing for a, a better job, you're believing for a home, you're believing for your children. Those things don't always come easy, as you well know. That's why the Apostle Paul said, and having done all to stand, Stand, therefore. Amen. Sometimes you just have to stand. I've been asked many times, well, Brother Jerry, how long do I have to stand? And I always reply by the same way. Uh, Until you don't have to stand no more. (laughs) But when do I know that I don't have to stand anymore? When you win. (laughs) Well, how long does it take to win? When you don't have to stand no more. It's, it's just, it's, there, there's no break in it. Amen? Having done all to stand, stand. If you haven't received what you've been believing for, then you are still in the process of standing. Amen? I like what Kenneth Hagin used to say many years ago. He said, if you prepare to stand forever, then it won't take very long. But most Christians are not prepared to stand forever. 
Most Christians are, are prepared to stand until dark. <laughs> or they'll stand until tomorrow. Yeah. Or they'll stand until the end of the week. But if it goes past that, I'm not playing anymore. <laughs> but sometimes it goes past that. I, I've, I've shared this, and, it, and I don't want you to get the impression that every faith endeavor I've ever been involved in has taken this long. It hasn't. But there have been some things I have stood for for as long as 20 years before they came to pass. Amen. And when they did come to pass, I thought, that's the shortest 20 years I ever spent. Because I didn't remember what I went through before it came to pass. I was too busy rejoicing that God made it happen. Hallelujah. That God honored his word and he honored my faith. Can you say amen? amen? So the just shall pursue life with an active faith. And then the Amplified Bible says uh, in that verse 38, the latter part of it, and if he draws back, my soul shall have no delight in him. Now the phrase draw back or draws back, it implies to move away from or to retreat from. The life of faith. And here it says, and remember now, all scripture is given to the inspiration of God. This is not just the author here and his thoughts about it. It's, it's coming by inspiration of God. So this is what God thinks about it. If any man retreats or draws back from the life of faith, then he says, I have no delight in that person. He brings me no joy. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd hate to think that I'm living my life and God gets no joy out of the way I'm living. That I'm not delighting God. Amen. So the life of faith is a must. Amen. And I decided to live that way a long, long time ago. And I'm still living that way today. Amen. Now, Go with me to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. And Jesus is speaking to Simon... says in verse 31, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to sift you or to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Now that's an unusual phrase. In fact, you've heard me say it before, I'm sure. The first time I read that way back in 1969, I was shocked. I thought it was a misprint in the Bible. I didn't know what I know now. But I had been told, first of all, by Kenneth Copeland, that faith works, that faith moves mountains, that faith is our method of victory over the world. I was told by Kenneth Hagin the same thing. I was told by Oral Roberts. I was told by T.L. Osborne that faith works. And then I came across this verse, 
and Jesus is praying that Peter's faith will not fail? I was shocked. I thought, you mean to tell me I've been doing all this studying, I've been doing all this uh, uh, spiritual exercise, getting God's word into my heart, because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word, and now there's a possibility my faith might fail? That was a shock to me. But it also led to some research. Now, back in those days, we didn't have all the, the, the great assets that we have today in, in, in the way of iPad and, and iPhone and having download 27 translations of the Bible on your phone and, and, and download Strong's Concordance and all the Bible aids and Bible studies. We didn't have all that. So I went to a bookstore, a Christian bookstore. And to see if there were any other translations. Now back then, all I knew about was the King James. That's all I knew about. And mine happened to be a, uh, oh, what was that Bible called? Oh, I don't remember what it was. That's not important. Anyway, in that bookstore, I discovered the Amplified Bible. And I took it and began reading it. And I thought, now I can understand this. This was more in a modern day vernacular. Okay. And then later I discovered other translations. And then I discovered in that bookstore, I mean, I spent some time in there. Because this concerned me that my faith might fail. And so uh, I began to look in Greek concordance. And I found out that this phrase, I pray that thy faith fail not, in its original sense was, I'm praying that your faith will not be reduced to inactivity. Faith will not fail. Faith works. Thank God for that. Amen. Faith works. Look at your neighbor and say, faith works. But in the literal Jesus saying, Peter, I am praying that your faith will not be reduced to inactivity. Because inactive faith is faith that's not producing anything. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Now, why would someone allow their faith to become inactive? Well, a lot of times it's because they're not willing to engage in anything that will create pressure. I'm going to try this side of the elevator. I mean, I thought I'd got better response. All the preachers over there. They don't want to be engaged in something that will create pressure. They don't want to be engaged in something that might possibly have opposition. Come on, Amen. In other words, a lot of people, a lot of Christians, want to get into a comfort zone. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Comfort zones. Getting to the place to where you don't want to have to use your faith anymore. Or at least 
not for a while. Amen. Now, Carol and I have been there. I mean, there there have been times when, man, I, I was attacked on every side. And it seemed like I didn't have a moment, a moment where I could just relax because I just had to stay in faith. It seemed like if, if I relaxed for five minutes, it, it, would, it would indicate to the devil that I've given up. And I just had to stay in faith and stay in faith. Many times, couldn't even sleep the whole night. Just get up and walk the floor and confess the word. And confess the word. And confess the word. And then I'd, 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 I'd get sleepy and I'd go back to sleep. And it seemed like the moment I closed my eyes, the devil was straddled my head. And saying it's not going to work, it's not going to work, it's not going to work, it'll never happen, it'll never happen, it'll never happen. And I have to get up and, and engage in warfare again. Anybody ever been there? And then when you finally win, you think, I'm taking all this armor and I'm throwing it in the corner and I don't have to use my faith for at least six months. I'm going to be like other Christians, do nothing. Amen. <laughs> Anybody ever been there? But in active faith is faith that's not producing anything. Amen. So Jesus prayed that Peter's faith would not be reduced to inactivity. In other words, Peter, I'm praying that you will not yield to complacency. That's that's what it's saying. I'm praying that you will not yield to complacency. Now, let me give you some facts about complacency. Are you ready? This really is a good sermon. You, you will shout later. All right. Uh, let, me, let me give you just some facts about complacency. I got so many notes on this. Complacency is when you have become satisfied with where you are and what you've experienced and refuse to reach higher and further. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth under those things which are before. Reaching forth under those things which are before. Let me give you some notes on that. The Amplified Bible says, reaching forward to what lies ahead. See, everything God has for us is not behind us. It's ahead of us. I've already experienced what he had for me yesterday. Now I'm going for what he wants me to experience today and tomorrow and the days ahead. Amen. And that includes abundant overflow. Can you say amen? The Passion Translation says, or let me, the Amplified says again, reaching forward to what lies ahead. The Passion Translation says, I fasten my heart to the future 
And then verse 14, the message translation says, and I'm often running and I'm not turning back. I'm often running and I'm not turning back. Now to turn back simply means to stop going forward or to stop advancing. To stop advancing. To go forward, you must understand that Satan's going to do everything he can to possibly prevent you from going forward. Because he knows what God has for you in the days ahead. It's not behind you. It's ahead of you. And if you keep pressing forward, then it's highly probable that you will obtain what God has for you. And it would be to Satan's advantage to talk you out of going forward and just get you to settle in a comfort zone. Can you say amen? Amen. Most of the time, if we're not going forward, it's because we've listened to a lie from the devil. And that lie goes like this sometimes. You've gone as far as you'll ever go. You've seen all that you'll ever see. You've experienced all that God has for you. And if you listen to those lies, then you will not press, as the Apostle Paul said. You will not demand out of yourself to keep going forward. Amen. This is why the Apostle Paul said that we must cast down imaginations and and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. The message translation says we have to tear down the barriers that are erected against the truth. And the passion translation says we must demolish every deception. Amen. It is a lie from the enemy that you've already experienced all you're going to experience. It is a lie from the enemy that, that you've already seen all that God has for you. That is not true. Don't settle for that lie. Because if you settle for that lie, or if you believe that lie, then you are going to end up settling for less than what God wants you to experience. Can you say amen? The truth is you haven't seen all that God wants you to see. You haven't experienced all that God wants you to experience. Uh, According to the writings of the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, God has prepared things that our eyes have not seen, our ears have not heard about, our hearts have not even conceived yet. And he's prepared them for those that love them. And I happen to be one that loves God. Is anybody else in here one of those that love God? Then once again, you have not seen nor have you experienced everything that God has in store for you. Amen. If you're not living in the overflow, then you're not experiencing everything God has for you. So the next time we sing that song, you can say, I'm not living in the overflow. (laughs) Bless the Lord, oh my soul, I wish I was living in the overflow. (laughs) You can live in the overflow. I said, you can live in the overflow. That's God's plan. That's God's dream. That's God's desire for you. Praise God. Amen. 
Can you say amen? Amen. Now, we remember in Hebrews 10, it talks about drawing back. There are another, another, uh, several other translations that use the phrase shrink back. I read them, several translations. Uses the phrase rather than draw back, shrinks back. And to shrink back implies to show reluctance, particularly as to avoid pressure or confrontation. They shrink back, implying they're showing reluctance, particularly as to avoid pressure or confrontation. They just, they they don't want, they don't want any confrontation. I just want to live comfortably. Well, you may not want to hear this, but true Christianity is a fight. True Christianity is a fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Amen. If, if everything God wants us to have came easy, every Christian would already be enjoying it. But why aren't most enjoying it? Because they're not willing to fight the good fight of faith. They want a comfortable Christianity. That is just the opposite of the way Paul lived. Comfortable Christianity? (laughs) Paul never saw it. This man went under more, uh, he experienced more adversity than any person you will ever know and any more or, or more than you'll ever know. And yet his attitude was none of these things move me. None of these things move me. It, it, that was just like standing up in the devil's face and saying, is this the best you got? Yeah. Come on. Have you just fired your best shot? Yeah. Well, I'm not moved by it. Don't you know that's a slap in the devil's face? That'd be like me standing up to Mike Tyson in his heyday when he was the baddest man on the planet. And saying, come on, Mike. I'll fight you for about a billion dollars. Where'd I sign the contract? I think I can run around that ring fast enough where he don't hit me, you know? I mean, I'd wear a hole in the ring down there, you know. (laughs) Or if Evander Holyfield's already beat him up for me, and then they make Mike get in the ring after Evander's already beat him up. Hope Mike's not listening to this tape. But anyway, (laughs) if he's already been whipped, I'm getting in the ring with him. I'll even go in for less, a hundred million. If he's already been beat up. Amen. Well, our adversary, the devil's already been whipped. Praise God. Jesus spoiled, spoiled him. Praise God. Spoiled principalities and powers. Took the keys of death, hell, and the grave away from him. Reduced him to zero. Hallelujah. Amen. So Paul says, none of these things move me. I will finish my course. 
I, I like to say it this way. I will never withdraw from my life of faith regardless of the difficulties that I might face. His faith was never allowed to become inactive. Now, uh, put on the screen Philippians chapter 1 verses 19 through 26 from the message translation if you can. Or if anybody has a message Bible handy that I can read from. It may take just a few moments. Philippians 1.19 and all the way down through verse uh, 26. Okay. Now this is Paul in prison facing death. Remember? He's writing to a partner church. The church in Philippi. And he says to this adversity that he's going through. So how am I to respond? I've decided that I really don't care about their motives, whether mixed, bad, or indifferent. Every time one of them opens his mouth, Christ is proclaimed, so I just cheer them on. Now, he's talking about people in prison there that were preaching for the wrong reasons, okay? Now, I'm going to keep that celebration going because I know how it's going to turn out. This man is in prison facing death, and he says, I'm just going to keep celebrating because I know how this is going to turn out. Amen. Through your faithful prayers and the generous response of the Spirit of Christ, everything he wants to do in and through me will be done. That is a bold statement. He's in prison facing death. And he says, everything he wants to do in and through me will be done. I can hardly wait to continue my course. Sounds like to me, planned on getting out of prison. I don't expect to be embarrassed in the least. On the contrary, everything happening to me in this jail only serves to make Christ more accurately known Regardless of whether I live or die, they didn't shut me up. They gave me a pulpit. (laughs) Hallelujah. Alive, I'm Christ's messenger. Dead, I'm his bounty. Life versus even more life, I can't lose. (laughs) Hallelujah. I can't lose. Amen. Now, if you go on reading that, he says... I am betwixt two. I don't know whether to go and be with Christ, which would be far better, because then I will have achieved my ultimate goal, for to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But he said, I'm in a dilemma. I don't know whether to go on and be with the Lord or to stay here with you. And then he answered his own dilemma. If you keep reading this, he answered his own dilemma. And, and, and said, I, I want to be a companion, companion to you as your growth and joy in this life of trusting God continues. You can start looking forward to a great reunion when I come visit you again. We'll be praising Christ, enjoying each other. Now, another translation says it this way. In, in the King James, he says, basically, I'm paraphrasing, I've decided to stay. Did you notice 
His decision was not based on the Roman government. He was not based on a guard in that prison threatening him with his life. He said, I'm betwixt two. I don't know whether to go or to stay, but I've decided to stay. (laughs) And then he says, in another translation, and the reason I've decided to stay is so that I can teach you, continue to teach you the joy of believing. The joy of believing. The joy of trusting God. The joy of living by faith. How many of you have discovered it's a joy to live by faith? (laughs) Amen. Now, once again, complacency is when you have become satisfied with where you are and when you and what you've experienced and refuse to reach for higher and better. That's not the way Paul approached his life of faith. He said, I press. And the word press implies an application of forward motion. Never giving up, never allowing yourself to become satisfied. Now, I'm, I'm grateful for what God's already done for me. I'm grateful for what I've already experienced. Man, oh man, do I have testimonies. My goodness, the testimony. 52 years of living by faith, you're going to have some testimonies. I'm grateful for what God has brought me through. I'm grateful for where he's taken me. But I'm not satisfied because I know there's much more. Look at your neighbor and say, there's so much more. And the only way that you're going to get into that so much more is keep pressing through faith. Keep pressing through faith. Now, in verse 15 of Philippians chapter 3, the message translation once again says, I'm off and running and I'm not turning back. Verse 15 says, so let's keep focused. Those of us who want everything God has for us. Let's keep focused. That is, those of us who want everything that God has for us. Now, let me give you another definition of complacency. It's a feeling of contentment, especially when the thought of confrontation and opposition is present. The feeling of contentment. In other words, I'm happy with where I'm at. I don't want to go any further. You know, uh, Carol and I have talked about this. Why build another building? We can have 10 services on Sunday morning. Get them all in here. (laughs) Why do we want to build another building? We're in a comfort zone. Well, I'm going to tell you that tonight. 
exactly what the Spirit of God said to me. But see, it'd be easy. Instead of believing for millions of dollars to build this new facility, and we don't borrow money, we pay cash for everything we do, and believing to pay cash for everything you do, it ain't easy. Amen. It's not easy. You, you never know where it's going to come from. But that's faith. Amen. The just shall live by faith. Amen. So it'd just be easy. Say, I forget that building program. Let's just stay where we are. And I believe it would disappoint God if we did. And I'm going to tell you why tonight. Okay. Feeling of contentment. Don't rock the boat. Amen. How many of you have ever heard the name A.W. Tozer? He was a man, a preacher that lived many, many years ago. Many say he was a theologian. And this is what he said about complacency. It is a deadly foe. It is a deadly foe. Amos chapter 6 verse 1 says, Woe to them that are at ease in Zion. Woe unto them that are at ease in Zion. Zion is symbolic of the church today. Ease means the condition of having become comfortable. Now, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 32, the New International Version says, The complacency of fools will destroy them. The complacency of fools will destroy them. Another translation says, um, well, a, a definition for destroy is to become soundly defeated. If you allow complacency to come into your life, then eventually you will be soundly defeated. The Passion Translation uses this phrase in place of complacency, self Satisfied. Self-satisfied. Now, complacency is like a stream of water. It follows the easiest course. It follows the easiest course. A lot of people are always looking for the path of least resistance. Amen? See, the, the path of least resistance for us building this new facility would be borrow the money. I mean, I have people who want to loan me money. One president of the bank that, that I do business with, he's, he's not the president there any longer, he's, he's moved to another bank. But I walked in a restaurant where he and several other uh, executives of that bank were having lunch. And he stood up and said, now there's a man, if he'll ask me to, uh, for a loan, I'll give him any amount he wants. I said, thank you, sir. 
but I don't need it. Now, that would be the path of least resistance. And I'm not saying it's a sin to borrow, but it would be for me because I made a commitment. I will not borrow money. I will not go in debt. Amen. We're going to build this debt free. Now, to borrow the money, Dick, would be the path of least resistance. But I can't do it. I'd rather stack them in here till they're ceiling high than go get in debt. And one of the reasons why I'm not willing to go in debt to build this new facility, I don't know who'll be here next week. All of you will because you're deeply committed. You know, but hey, people come and people go. There are people that have been members of this church for years and all of a sudden they're gone. I've said, and you've heard me say it before, I've said many times, I I don't want another church member telling me, Brother Jerry, I love you. You don't know what your ministry's done for me and my family. Don't say it. Just think it. (laughs) Because that might be the last time I ever see you. Amen. Complacency is like a stream of water. It follows the easiest course. Someone once said, complacency, listen to this, this is powerful. Complacency invades areas in our lives that once were occupied by passion. Oh, that's a powerful statement. Complacency invades areas in our lives that once were occupied by passion. Complacency brings progress and achievement to a complete standstill. Complacency causes us to look for the path of least resistance. Complacency prevents us from being willing to continue to fight the good fight of faith. Now, I don't know who said this, but I heard it a long time ago. If I could remember who said it, I'd give them credit. And it sounds like something John Maxwell would have said. Comfort zones are where dreams go to die. Comfort zones are where dreams go to die. Comfort zones convince you that you've already seen enough and that you've already done enough. Comfort zones keep you from reaching higher. The greatest danger, and I do know who said this, Michelangelo. The greatest danger for most of us lies not in setting our aim too high and falling short but in setting our aim too low and achieving it. Everybody still here? Now, go with me to the book of John. John chapter, uh, let's see, John chapter 11. 
We'll, we'll be through here in just a moment. The Baptists have already beat you to the cafeteria. I'll close it with this. John chapter 11. And the story begins in verse 1, but we won't take the time to read all of this. But Mary and Martha, who are the sisters of Lazarus, who was a friend of Jesus, says in verse 3, or the, uh, his sister sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified therefore, thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Look at verse 11. These things said he, after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth. But I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Now it is obvious what they've got on their mind. Comfort zone. When Jesus said, let's go, and where did he tell them, let's go to? Let's go unto our friend. And they said, into Judea, and they said, Master, don't you remember the last time we were there? The Jews sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? Now what they're thinking is, they sought to stone you, but we're part of Jesus Christ Evangelistic Association. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and if they stone you, then more than likely they'll stone us. So they don't really have Lazarus on their mind. They got rocks on their brain. They don't want to go because they might get stoned. So Jesus says, he sleepeth. Then they said, oh, if he's asleep, then he's doing okay, and we don't have to go, and there'll be no rocks thrown at us. <laughs> Can you see this? They don't want to leave their comfort zone. They don't want to leave their comfort zone. And then finally, it says in verse 13, Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taken of rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, and I can almost hear him saying it with a lot of power, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Now, 
Do you believe Jesus Christ Evangelistic Association was a faith ministry? I mean, he's the author of faith. He's the finisher of faith. Surely everybody on his team were people of faith. (laughs) Who has a faith ministry and everybody on the team doubts? But there was one. Now listen to what Thomas said. No wonder he goes down in history with the name Doubting Thomas. And he worked for a faith ministry. It'd be so sad if I said, uh, this morning we're going to have one of our associates preach. And I'd like to invite Doubting Justin to come and take the platform. (laughs) Or Doubting Rick to take the platform. Doubting Thomas. Now listen to what Doubting Thomas said. After Jesus said plainly, Lazarus is dead. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus. What in the world was that name? There's old Didymus, the doubter. (laughs) Then he said unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may all die. Boys, this is pretty serious now. We're going to have to leave our comfort zone. Let us go that we may all die. There's no guarantee they're all going to die. But he didn't want to leave his comfort zone. Now, here's the problem with that comfort zone. They would have missed out on a miracle. If they'd have stayed where they are. Now, Jesus, we're going to stay here. And we're going to intercede for you. Now, you go on to Judea. Because it's not likely that, you know, we, we, we know, we've heard the story of how your own people in Nazareth tried to stone you and you just turned and walked through the midst of them and no man could touch you. Do it again, Lord. We're, we're going to stay here and pray. <laughs> but what would they have missed out on if they had remained in the, in the comfort zone? A miracle. And that's what we miss out on if we stay in comfort zones. Miracles. Wonders, signs, abundant overflow. Amen. And I'm not willing to miss out on that. How about you? Hallelujah. So let me challenge you this morning. Even though we are in some very unusual times, a lot of people are hurting. A lot of people are suffering. A lot of people... uh, would just like for all this to just go away, leave me alone, just let me live in peace. Folks, the Bible tells us that in the latter days, and we are in the latter days, things will get tougher. Amen. There will be perilous times, times of great stress and times of great trouble. Amen. And our only Solution in the midst of all that is the just shall live by faith. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You received that this morning? Look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor and tell them, don't get into a comfort zone. You don't want to miss out on what God has in store for you.
Let's all stand, praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All the folks in South Africa and the church there, they're standing right along with us now. You can't see them, but I got a monitor right here in front of me. Hey, let's wave at him again. Turn to that camera and wave at him again. Praise God. John and Sharon, we love you. Love all of the folks there at Heritage of Faith, South Africa. And once again, we can hardly wait to get back and be with you. God is going to do some exciting things between now and the time we get back. So uh, we're going to have a shouting good time when we uh, get together again. Praise God. Amen. Let's give the Lord a good shout of praise this morning. Hallelujah. 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 Amen and amen. Father, I've endeavored to deliver to the people today what you put on my heart. And now, Holy Spirit, take it and do what is necessary to cause it to dwell richly on the inside of them. And I pray that not one person within the sound of my voice will fall into the trap of complacency, an inactive faith, a comfort zone where they're unwilling to reach for the higher and press for that which you have in store for us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. All right, Pastor.